Welcome back, everyone. I'm Sarah Peck, and this is the Startup Pregnant Podcast. How will motherhood change me? Will I be different? Will I end up on the mommy track and just never want to work again? These are all questions that people ask when they get pregnant and they think about parenthood. Today, we are going to take a look at the story that gets shoved at pregnant women over and over again, and even all women, that when you become a mom or at some point in your career, you just won't be interested in working again. You're going to want to become a mom, and that's your manifest destiny. And when you become a mom, motherhood is going to change you, and it's not going to be in a good way. Mostly, people imply that you're not ever going to want to come back to work. Sadly, this is not just an urban myth. A study from Shelley Coral, who was working at Cornell University, found that mothers in the workforce are rated as significantly less competent, less intelligent, and less committed than women without children. In fact, mothers are 79% less likely to be hired, half as likely to be promoted, and they earn less money than their childless female counterparts. Well, that's not that great. However, We are going to dive into this with today's episode because the good news is that this is all perception. It's not necessarily reality. It's not necessarily true. It's true in as much as our peers will judge us and assume certain things about us, but it's not true in that it's actually what's happening. Amy Henderson is the CEO and co-founder of Tend Lab. It's a consultancy that provides hands-on advice and workshops for Fortune 500 companies and their parents groups at places like Salesforce and Accenture and other companies. She is a researcher and an entrepreneur. Her company's mission is to help other companies unlock the power and potential of parenthood in the workplace in a way that benefits every employee by maximizing productivity. In today's episode, we talk about how parenthood actually has the potential to transform us for the better, not just in work, but in all aspects of our lives. We talk about how it's not just mothers, but parents, so yes, fathers, that receive a positive impact on their career performance if, and this is an important if, they actually spend significant amounts of time doing the caretaking. Since we are entering an era where the skills that we develop during parenting are not only relevant but necessary for success in the workplace, it stands to reason that we should look at how does parenthood change us and why does it change us in a good way or does it change us in a good way? Also in this episode, we talk about what Amy wishes working moms knew and what she wishes she could go back and tell herself when she first became a working mom. If you are on your way into motherhood or you are a new parent, please enjoy this episode because yes, motherhood and parenting will change you, but it's not necessarily in the way that you might expect. And a lot of our culture gets it wrong. They assume that we change and we get worse, but that is not what the research shows. Welcome to the Startup Pregnant Podcast, where we talk to creative leaders about what it means to be an entrepreneur and a parent. I'm your host, Sarah K. Peck. Before we begin today's episode, a heads up that the Wise Women's Council is now here. For those of you that have been waiting to hear about the mastermind, it is now open and we are accepting applications. 
For the entire month of February 2019, applications will be open. The Wise Women's Council is a gathering of a group of women where we come together for nine months to learn from each other, go deep, and meet regularly for advice, wisdom, and sharing around the journeys of parenthood and entrepreneurship. Applications are open right now, February 2019, and they will close on February 25th, 2019. Get your application in early to be considered on a first-come, first-served basis. Definitely don't wait until the last minute. And also, here's two cents for you, my two cents. Done is always better than perfect when it comes to applying to something. So if you are wondering whether or not you should apply or worried about your application, go ahead and get it in rather than stressing about it. If you are listening to this and it is the last minute, however, still go apply. You never know what can happen. Go to startuppregnant.com slash WWC, that's for Wise Women's Council, or to startuppregnant.com slash mastermind. They both link to the same page, so you can either type in startuppregnant.com slash mastermind or slash WWC. And you will go to the page with all the details and you can click the button that says apply and fill out your application. Applications probably take about 15 minutes to do because I want to get to know you and really dig in to what you're working on. So don't wait. Definitely don't wait till the last minute. It's not a huge application, but it does take a little bit of thought because I want to get to know you if we are going to be working together for the next year. As many of you know, masterminds have changed my life, and being in community with other women is one of the top reasons I credit with my success. So I encourage you to go and apply. Maybe the thing that can really unlock your success this year is being in the community of other women. So go apply. Everyone, I'm so excited to have Amy Henderson here. Amy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So I want to ask you first to share some of your parenting journey. If you could go back in time and tell us about when did you first think about becoming a parent and or start down the path of parenting? Have you always known that this was in your future or did it surprise you? Tell us your story. Yeah, you know, that's such a great question because my own story is that I didn't know if I wanted to be a mom. I'd always been told by friends and coworkers and colleagues that I was maternal by nature, that I was really caring and nurturing. But I didn't know if I wanted to be a mom because I have also been really ambitious with my career. And I couldn't quite reconcile how I would maintain that ambition with also being a mom because I hadn't seen many role models for that. And when I actually first started dating the man who is now my husband, I told him, look, I am not the white picket fence, 2.5 kids, soccer mom that pours the nacho cheese sauce in the snack bar. Like, it's just not going to be me. And he courted me for a long time and was like, okay, I'll pour the nacho cheese and I'll drive the minivan and you just do your you know, career. And, and so that's what made me feel comfortable about pursuing a family with him. And then when we got married and really developed the bond between us. It made me want to have a family with him, not just at an intellectual sort of thought level, but, you know, at a body level, I really felt the urge and the desire to start a family with him. And then I was so surprised when I became pregnant 
And I, both for some medical reasons, but in large part for, I don't know how to describe it really, but for heart reasons, I couldn't imagine going back to the career I'd had before I had my child. I'd been running a program that was international in scope and I'd been traveling a lot and I'd been working a lot and I'd been, my personal life and my work life bled together in such a way that it felt like I was always to some extent on with my career. And then after my daughter came, I left all of it behind and focused entirely on her and my son for two years and became the exact opposite of who I had always been, which was, you know, global and scale and impact and career. I then became the stay at home mom that I never, ever thought I would want to be or could even fathom anyone who would want to be the person I became. But what happened to me, and I now know this was in large part supported by, you know, my biology and my neurology, is that I felt such a strong bond with my child that I couldn't imagine being away from her. And in those two years that I was with her and my son, who was born when she was 20 months, I immersed myself in that sweet, tender bond and really fell into what I experienced as like an ancestral pattern. You know, the women who'd birthed me, who'd birthed them, like this long, long, long line back, you know, all those women had been intimately connected to their children and tended to them in a very tender way. And I'd never seen that or really considered that a possibility for me until it happened. For me, it was too long and it was it eventually became too intense and by that what i mean is i tend to be type a and so when i had my career i was 100% into my career and then when i became a stay at home mom i was 100% stay at home mom and so i did attachment parenting to the extreme and the first time i ever left my daughter she was 6 months old and i had to go to the dentist and my mom sat with her in the car in the parking lot for an hour <laughs> but mm. before that I'd never left her. She'd never slept alone. I slept right beside her. She learned, I trained her, unfortunately, to like only fall asleep when she was nestling my breast. So I had to literally be physically attached to her 24 seven. Otherwise she would panic or freak out or scream or cry. And I didn't know that it was okay to let her cry. I mean, it was quite extreme and it was a great experience. It taught me a lot. It changed me neurologically. I now know but after two years of that with my daughter and then my son, I felt like I'd lost myself. I'd certainly lost the person I'd been before, and I fell into a pretty intense depression. And so I did the only thing I know how to do to sort of reclaim myself and my identity, and that was to do what our culture values, because the other thing I discovered when I was a stay-at-home mom is that our culture does not value that role. And many people would say to me, what do you do all day long? And I couldn't exactly tell them, but I knew I was exhausted and it was the hardest thing I'd ever done. <laughs> so when I was depressed and knew that I needed to pick myself out of that, I did the only thing I knew, the only thing our culture values, which was I went back into my career. And when my son was three months old and my daughter was just over two, I co-founded a national organization with Van Jones, who's a CNN commentator now, but used to work for the Obama administration. Prince was one of our main supporters and sponsors. And I went back to traveling all the time, working all the time, and trying to parent as though I didn't have a career and trying to have a career as though I didn't have kids. Hmm. And I 
did that for about two years, a little over two years. And then I accidentally got pregnant with my third kid. (laughs) And that was when I tell my friends, it's like the wheels fell off the bus. I couldn't imagine continuing my career with this third child. And I couldn't imagine not letting this third child come into the world. I couldn't imagine how, how our marriage would survive, how I would be able to continue if I didn't have the child. And I'm not opposed to abortion. I had an abortion earlier in my life. It's not for you know moral or ideological reasons. I really struggled with whether or not to keep that child and am and so glad that I did. And had this very interesting moment when the weekend that I first thought I might be pregnant with my third child, for the first time in a long time, I had a thought come into my mind, which was, I like myself. And it hadn't occurred to me that I'd been hating myself and not liking myself for so long until I had that thought. I think it was in large part due to her coming into my body and into our lives. And what she brought about was this massive transformation, starting with the revelation that I like myself (laughs) and that I had been treating myself really poorly for the two years that I'd been trying to parent as though I didn't have a career and work as though I didn't have kids. I'd been really cruel to myself during that time, trying to meet unrealistic expectations. And when she came... Yeah, I I just want to hear more about this because I'm fascinated. Let me ask you one question. Sure. Why do you think you went so full throttle into parenting and attachment parenting and the way that you tell it? Why do you think that that was your trajectory? Yeah, it's a really good question. I think you know, earlier when I thought about becoming a mom, and this is when I was still ambivalent about whether I even wanted to do it, I always thought that having a kid would be like having a handbag. You know, it was like this thing you just sort of (laughs) threw on your arm and you went about your life just like you always had, you know? And then when I got pregnant, I ended up having some pretty intense complications. I developed placenta previa. And the way I discovered it was I was on the BART train on my way to work. The doctor called and said, hey, you have to come in immediately. We have to do some more tests. We discovered you have placenta previa. And then the phone call got cut off. (laughs) And so I went into my office and I Googled placenta previa. And the first thing that came up were all these people who had died of it. (laughs) Google can be terrifying when it comes to pregnancy and motherhood. (laughs) Right. And so it was like, you know, the next day before I finally was able to reconnect with my doctor. And by then I'd had all these scenarios in my head of my child dying, of me dying. And, you know, my acupuncturist said, well, placenta previa usually is a result of the mother depleting her energy in the world and the mother needs to conserve her energy. That's what it means. And so the combination of that, you know, it just sort of forced me to stop being so external with my actions and really slow down for the first time in a a very long time. And that slowing down process was a really beautiful experience for me. Not easy, but very rewarding because it forced me to look at why I'd been pushing myself so hard in my career and to question whether that was even really of service or of value. Because so much of that pushing, I think, had been a reflexive response as opposed to a truly generative response, sourcing myself from, you know, who I really am, what I really want to contribute. It was more, I was so aware of the inequities in the world and so aware of the need to address them that I was throwing myself against these challenges. The organization I was running when I first became pregnant was 
a program called Ashoka's Youth Venture, and we helped young people from marginalized communities launch their own community benefiting projects. So I was working in really entrenched communities, connecting these incredible young folks who had vision but no access to resources or opportunity. I was connecting them to funding. I was connecting them to mentors, and I was connecting them to life-changing opportunities. And it was really meaningful significant work that, you know, fulfilled my soul and, and made me feel like I was of service. But I was putting so much of myself into it that I never really stopped and and had the deep questions and reflections and practice that I needed to know who I was in the midst of that. When I became pregnant and had the health complications, it forced me to stop and really wonder about who I was and the most meaningful things I could contribute. And to also, honestly, I think the big thing that happened for me when I stayed home for those two years is because I wasn't reflexively responding to the pain of the world around me, it made me stop and look at my own pain and look at the ways in which I hadn't tended to my own grief or my own sorrow. And when I was able to do that, it took away a lot of the, why would I put it? It took away a lot of the unconscious chatter in my mind that I didn't even know had been there. Oh, that is such a beautiful phrase. And what I'm gathering right now is like all of these pregnancies were upheavals in some sort you know, the first one really in what's the value system here? And am I going the direction I want to go? I know so many parents who we see this massive potential for transformation, but we also apply like a negative filter to it. You're going to become a mother and want to stop working. And that is bad. Like we kind of collapse all of those things together. And one of the things I really appreciate about your writing and the work that you've done is that you really talk about the potential of transformation and this upheaval that is pregnancy and parenting, but the power for good and like what an opportunity it is in our lives. Why not invite a massive disrupting force into your life every 10 years or so? (laughs) We're not, not, I don't think either of us will sell it on being an easy thing to go through. No. The quality of good and bad is something that you've really challenged. Can you talk about your third child and how you stumbled into this weight? What if parenthood has the potential for transformation that is really helpful? Yeah, I'm going to definitely talk about my third child and what happened. But I think one important segue into that is that when I went back to work after being home for two years, I noticed that even though I felt as though I was fighting both the internal and the external expectation that I was rusty or that I was out of date or that the time away from my career had somehow negatively impacted me, even though I was fighting against all of that in my own head and in the world around me. What I noticed is that when I sat down for conversations with people or when I engaged directly in strategic thinking or when I was doing something that was really important and I needed to be present for it, that my ability to be in that moment was significantly greater. That a lot of the chatter that had haunted me in my previous career that I hadn't known had been haunting me, it wasn't there anymore. And my ability to show up and be on point and to trust my instincts was so sharp that I was much more effective than I had ever been when I went back to work after I'd stayed home with my children. And that was something that I 
I was aware of it at the time, but it was buried underneath the perception that I was going to underperform. And then when I accidentally got pregnant with my third child and panicked, I really did panic. When I was out on leave with my third child, I had this really intense and miserable experience of all of us were sick. I was sick. The baby was sick. My not yet two-year-old son was sick and my not yet four-year-old daughter was sick. So I was home sick with three kids under four (laughs) and my father-in-law was staying with us because he stays with us during the winter. And I was in the kitchen with all three of my sick kids, myself being sick. I hadn't slept in, I don't even know how long because when you have a newborn, you barely sleep. The two older kids were hanging on me. The newborn was crying. I hadn't been out of my pajamas in I don't know how many days. And my father-in-law came into the kitchen and he said to me, you know, Amy, it used to be that when women lived all alone out in frontier land, like in the Dust Bowl, and it was always dusty and they never saw anyone and they never left the house and they were always cleaning and taking care of their families. He said, you know, they used to go crazy and kill themselves and their entire families. And I looked at him and I thought, you see me right now. (laughs) You're like, do you want to come any closer? Are you sure? (laughs) (laughs) Right? I was like, this knife in my hand is pretty sharp. (laughs) Well, that's really funny. Yeah. And it was like this moment of like, yes, I have never been more miserable and I can't see how I'm going to ever get out of this. And my life is just misery. Like that's how it felt. But in the middle of that misery, I knew, I knew that there had to be another way. There had to be another way to perceive the moment that I was in. And so in that sort of panic, despair, anxiety moment, I said, okay, I'm going to do something about this. And that's when I started organically calling up the working moms that I most admired, my friends. And so with my sleeping newborn in my arms and my ear kinked to the phone on my other shoulder, I said, you know, how are you doing it? Like, how are you not only surviving, but how are you thriving? Like, how are you happy? Like, how are you enjoying your life? Like, how is that possible? And what I discovered in these conversations that was so revelatory, not only to me, but to the women I was talking to, is that the vast majority of the women I spoke with realized while we were talking to each other, that they were performing better in their careers because of their kids, not in spite of them, and that they were better parents because they were able to thrive in their careers. And that was something that I had never heard before and that many of these women had never realized before. And it was through the process of interviewing them that you kind of both stumbled into this realization. What did that research process turn into? What did it look like? It started out, you know, really informal in the beginning. Me, you know, breast milk dripping down my PJs as I paced the house talking to moms. And then because this kept happening, I thought there is really something here. Like this is the exact opposite of everything I've heard and been told is possible. And it keeps repeating itself again and again and again with the women I'm talking to. And like as an example, one of the women that I was talking to was a senior vice president at Salesforce. And she had never before considered that parenthood, being a mom had positively impacted her career. And we were talking and she said, well, you know, it was actually when I came back from maternity leave that I demanded that I be given the job that had been promised to me two years earlier. And it had never occurred to her that that was the moment when she went in and claimed her worth. And she said, and I don't know why I did that. She said, I was the only breadwinner at the time. My husband wasn't working. Health insurance was on me. We didn't have a nest egg, but I just knew 
I would have that job now and just claimed it and demanded it. And I got it. And she said it had never occurred to her that that was the moment where she started claiming her worth and being really bold in asking for what she wanted and believing that she deserved it. It had never occurred to her that coming back from maternity leave was that turning point. It's so interesting. I've heard so many moms talk about how it can be this clarifying kind of bullshit detector where Mm. the before is we've got 27 projects to work on and a million things to do. And then after, even during pregnancy, not even after maternity leave, but once you start to have limitations placed on your time, you just see more clearly. And you're like, no, that's a waste of time. We shouldn't do that. We should drop that project entirely. And there's some brazenness and some boldness that comes out when your time is so constricted like that. It's so true. And I kept hearing, you know, versions of that and other similar stories through these conversations I was having. And so I formalized the process. I I asked the moms I admired to recommend other mothers they admired. And I kept going. I've done now over 200 interviews with moms. And then I also included some dads in the process, which we can talk about this, but I didn't initially want to include dads, <laughs> but was forced to. And I'm so glad I did. And what I discovered is that there were these similar threads that kept emerging in terms of the ways that women felt they were being positively impacted by motherhood. And after doing all these interviews, I worked with a data scientist and I coded them for themes. And then I thought, okay, this is interesting, but there's only you know a few hundred interviews. I need something more substantial to help me understand what I'm hearing in these interviews, because there's no way that I have the capacity to go out and do hundreds of thousands of interviews, which would give me a you know data set that would be substantial enough to say this is the truth. <laughs> I knew I, I wanted to look to other disciplines, other fields of research to help me understand it. And I did. I dug really deep into a bunch of other disciplines, you know, game theory, management studies, gender studies, the future of work, all of that. But the body of research that was most compelling and what I've since found to be most effective in illuminating this process of transformation that occurs is neuroscience. There is a whole body of research around how our brains change when we show up for motherhood and fatherhood. And it directly matches up against what I was hearing in the interviews and what I experienced in my own life. When I discovered this whole body of research, which was an organic process of first sort of trying to read these wonky scientific journals and then actually talking to the neuroscientists and the reproductive psychiatrists and all the experts in this space, what emerged was a really clear understanding of what can happen through parenthood to you neurologically, and how that translates to enhanced career performance. I find this so fascinating. And I want to dig in to the kind of tactical, like, what is it that changes? But I Mm. also want to set the stage. Can you talk a little bit about the bias that mothers are faced? Because it's not just that parenthood has the potential to transform us. It's also that there's so much stigma, especially for mothers, but also for fathers. Mm -hmm. And when you know we're kind of swimming in this culture around motherhood, that if you become a mother, you're just, I mean, everybody listening, fill in the blank. Like, what is it that what is it that people (laughs) say about mothers returning to work or their ambition or their ability to work? But can you talk a little bit about this cultural stigma that we're swimming in? Yeah, boy, it's so strong. (laughs) It is so strong. You know, one of the most alarming statistics I've found is that there's a a researcher, Shelley Carell, who's now at Stanford at the Clayman Institute. And she did a study not too long ago in which they found that a woman who 
is a mother is 89% less likely to be hired when compared to an equally qualified woman without children. 89% less likely. So if that doesn't just sum up the way that the world perceives working moms, I don't know what does. Another great stat on that is that moms, we often internalize that perception. One of our advisory boards, the reproductive psychiatrist, Alexandra Sachs, who wrote a piece for the New Yorker last year that was the most read piece in the wellness section called The Birth of a Mother. She wrote another piece this year called Mommy Brain, which basically looks at all of the perceptions around how becoming a mom negatively impacts your cognitive capacity. And in this article, she debunks all of that. And one great study that she pulls out is there was a study in which moms went to a cognitive research lab and were asked to indicate how they thought they were going to perform on a mental task. And moms consistently thought that they were going to perform worse than they did. (laughs) that they actually perform better than they think they will. And so they were asked before the test and after the test, how do you think they did? And moms consistently underreported their ability to succeed, both before and even after they'd done it. They thought they'd done worse than they had relative to non-moms. And so it's really interesting that it's an external perception, we're less likely to be hired, but we're also less likely to value our mental capacity to perform. And that just speaks to me to the sort of larger cultural assumption that we are going to be negatively impacted when it comes to our ability to think and function when we become moms. And that it's so, so, so strong that even with Tend Lab, so just to give a little bit of the sense of what happened with this process I was on. So I did all the interviews, I did the neuroscience research and all the other research, talked to the scientists, and then Along the journey, I met one of the women who I interviewed, a woman who at the time was serving as the original VP of HR and then diversity and inclusion at Twitter. And she was also a mom of three. And she said to me while I was interviewing her, she said, you know, Amy, I feel like the skills that are developed while parenting are the skills that are necessary in the workplace of the future. And for me, that was this big aha moment because what I was discovering through my own journey and all these interviews and all the research was that there's a very specific skill set that is developed through parenthood, through motherhood and engaged fatherhood that is so valuable to the modern worker. And it had never been put to me in that way. You know, these are the skills that are going to be not only relevant, but necessary for success in the workplace. And this from a woman who was at the seat of one of the sort of future developing companies, Twitter. That was just a huge aha moment for me. So together, this Janet is her name, Janet Van Hise. Janet and I co-founded a company called Tend Lab, and we have been working inside companies to help them debunk the myths around parenthood and its impact on career performance, and to realize the positive transformation that parenthood offers to not only parents, but folks who aren't parents that work with parents. And it's been a really intense, wonderful journey Along the way, we also designed a Career Moms workshop series where we bring together moms from different companies to learn about the research we've collected and to share with each other how that applies to their own lives and to learn it in real time in relationship to each other. It's been a really powerful and positive experience. But what I found is in a room full of working moms who are looking at a diagram of a brain that shows them how their brain positively changes with motherhood, even with that diagram in a room of their peers, it takes a while 
for them to really register that their perceptions that they've held, what they've been told is not actually true. It takes a while for that cognitive dissidence to like settle in and become something that they can accept. Right. Because we've internalized this external culture so deeply that we believe it to be true about ourselves. I'm tired and I must be underperforming now that I'm a mom. Even if it's not even true, the belief is embedded in there. Oh, that's, I mean, it's true to my experience and it's also so hard to hear, but then it makes me want to ask you all these questions. So can you first tell us what was the moment or the series of moments when you knew that Tend Lab had to exist? And what was it like to start this company? Yeah, it's a great question. Well, I knew pretty early on in the interview process when these aha moments kept happening with the moms that I was talking to, I knew pretty early on that I had to do something with it. But I didn't know what exactly it was. (laughs) I just knew it felt like a very strong calling. My best self, my highest self, my divine self, however you want to define it was like, this is the thing, Amy, listen to this. And I could feel it like right in my body. I could feel it right in the center of my chest, like right above it. It felt like this like burning sensation when I kept having these conversations. And so I knew that I wanted to let that burning sensation in in my chest be the carrot that carried me forward. You know, the sort of like, if I'm a rabbit running around a track. It's like, I wanted that to be the thing that carried me forward. So I just kept following the path. It's not been easy. It's still not easy to know exactly the right steps forward. It's getting much clearer. But in the beginning, it was like this vast open space of unknown in terms of how to keep walking. You know, I left the work I was doing with the organization I'd co-founded without any certain income or guarantee of what we were going to do. And we live in the Bay Area and my husband's a high school teacher. I was our breadwinner. I had the health insurance on us. So it was a huge leap of faith to say, I trust that there's something here and that it's going to come to fruition. And I don't know how or where or when, but I'm going to throw myself into it and make it happen. That was hard. We had to make a lot of financial sacrifices in order to make it work. And, you know, that's not easy when you're a parent and you have to decide you know, I'm not going to buy the free range eggs. I'm going to buy the cheap eggs. You know, there's all sorts of decisions like that, that you have to make that are hard. But ultimately where I came to in this journey was the understanding that I'm going to be the best mom for my kids. If I can pursue this vision and if I can show not only the world, but myself that the time I invest in spending with them makes me a better person and makes me a more valuable contributor to the larger society versus the narrative that was in my head, which is that any time I spend with my kids takes me away from being a productive member of society. That's the narrative that I think is so strong in so many of our heads that I'm really working to dismantle. How old is 10 Lab now? So 10 Lab is officially incorporated a little over two years. The research process began over three years ago, but we've been working inside companies for two years now. It's been an intense learning curve. The first company we worked with, Plum Organics, the baby food company, we went in and did a big cheerleader speech about parenthood and how positively it impacts you. And we were 
thrilled. This was an optional presentation for the full company, and we had about 90% of the company show up for it. We were amazed and thrilled, and we did this big rah-rah speech like we were cheerleaders. Yes, parenthood is amazing. And we didn't talk about how hard it is and the challenges that are faced. And the response from the audience was, from the parents, they said, look, I haven't slept. I'm struggling from all sorts of things, and I feel like what you just shared doesn't reflect my experience. And then for the people who weren't parents, they said, I feel like what you just shared invalidated my very real and significant reasons for choosing not to become a parent. (laughs) And both of those were true. So we've since learned that when you're talking about parenthood and the positive transformation that it offers, you have to be real about the fact that that transformation comes through a very challenging, difficult process that repeatedly brings you to your knees and cracks you open and breaks you down and forces you to grow in a way that nothing else that I've yet encountered could force me to do. Yeah, it's so true. I love that you acknowledge that in the in the beginning, you have to acknowledge how hard it is. Otherwise, people don't quite hear the other side of the coin because transformation mm. can be brutal, right? This, brutal. Right? The episodes of depression and anxiety and fear and all of the pieces that come with transforming or growing or shedding or whatever it is being called to a higher self. It's not like you're just like, oh, let me put on this angel wing. Like, this is going to be easy. (laughs) (laughs) Breastfeeding is going to be a song and dance. It's really hard. I struggle to convey to people who ask me about like, what do you wish you knew before becoming a parent? Or like, what's it like? I don't want to be so pessimistic about how hard it is that I terrify people, but I also don't want to be rainbows and butterflies. So what do you wish you had known back in the days pre-motherhood? Or what do you wish you could tell somebody about this time period that's coming up? That's such a great question. I wish, and this is actually a wish that I still wish for myself, (laughs) I wish that we could all recognize as a culture, but especially as moms and engaged dads, I wish we could recognize that in those hardest moments, which, you know, early on, you know, giving birth, staying up all hours of the night and day. And then as your kids get older, like those incredible tantrums that are at the worst time when you have the least capacity to handle them. I wish we could recognize that those moments right there, like those brutal experiences that right at the heart of them is where the potential for positive growth and transformation lives. I wish this for myself. (laughs) If I could in the heart of those moments, just like breathe and take a deep breath and appreciate and recognize that that moment was a portal to a better version of me towards a better relationship to myself in the world. If I could recognize that in the moment, I think it would be really helpful because usually what happens, and I'm getting better at this, but certainly in the beginning, what I experience is that when it's really, really hard, like my father-in-law, when he came to me and said, you know, moms in your situation back in the day would kill themselves <laughs> and their families. You know, like all I could think of was how miserable and dark it was. And I felt really isolated. I felt really disconnected from the person I'd been and I felt really lost. And I think if instead of that being the experience and the framing of it, I wish that we could recognize that those moments are the portal, that those moments are the catalyst, and that they offer us such a deep level of understanding and insight into ourselves and the ways in which we are 
you know, in need of tenderness or in need of growth or in need of healing in some significant way, that if we can recognize what those offer and then tend to ourselves in response to those moments, I think we will be able to meet this potential for transformation that parenthood offers. So earlier you spoke about this quote that the head of diversity and inclusion at Twitter had said about entering an era when these skills of parenthood are not only relevant, but they're necessary for the the direction the workplace is going. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So in the research, after I coded the interviews and then worked with other disciplines of research to help me understand what I was discovering, I found that there's five main capacities that are positively impacted through parenthood. I can go into all five of those, but the one that you know, I'll start with is emotional intelligence. So as we're moving away from the way that work has done, we're moving away from sort of a more mechanized workplace into a more knowledge-based economy where it's not so much what you're able to do, but the knowledge that you're able to acquire, the knowledge that you're able to understand, like your ability to access and to understand new forms of information and to be connected to others who can help you access those new forms of information. As we're moving into that reality, as artificial intelligence comes online and automates so many of the things that have traditionally been careers that humans could hold, as this all occurs, one of the main things that is going to be necessary for success is the ability to be emotionally intelligent and also the ability to develop new ways of learning. One of the main neuroscientists that I've studied and talked with and researched and written about is a woman named Ruth Feldman, and she teaches at the Yale School of Medicine. She spent the past 20 years studying the impact of parenting on the brains of both men and women. Significantly, what she's found in her research and in a review of all the other research on this subject, she's found that in the human brain, there are two periods of great potential for plasticity, zero to six, so when the child is first developing, and in the year surrounding the birth of one's child for both moms and engaged dads. So the two periods in the human life where your brain can change a lot is zero to six and the year surrounding the birth of your child. That's amazing. When you think about it, having gone through it, it's like, you, wow, you know, you feel like something's happening up there. But to put it in the context of the only other time in your life, your brain changes that much is when you're zero to six. That's amazing. That's amazing. And what happens in that time of great neuroplasticity depends a lot on how you show up for the journey. So Ruth Feldman's research has found that the way that you co-parent, whoever your co-parent is, I mean, in our modern era, a co-parent can be same-sex couple, a co-parent can be a single mom and the nanny, a co-parent can be a heterosexual, heteronormative couple, whatever it is, the way you show up for that co-parenting relationship impacts the development of your brain. And that's because according to the researchers, they believe it has to do with the fact that when survival is at stake, when the life of your infant depends on your ability to show up and function, that's when great neurological changes occur. And so when you co-parent, how you show up for co-parenting impacts the way that your brain develops and also impacts the brain of the child that you're raising. So parents who are able to engage in collaborative co-parenting styles where they 
are able to disagree in constructive ways and work together, those parents develop their brains in ways that make them better able to collaborate with others in the work environment and give them the capacity to engage in flexible goal-directed behavior versus parents who engage or you know, co-parents who engage in not positive, not constructive, but negative relationships with each other, combative relationships with each other that are not life-affirming and positive. <laughs> co-parents who engage in that type of behavior tend to increase their fear-based behavior, their anxiety, and their inability to engage in flexible goal-directed behavior. And that applies not only to the co-parenting relationship, but to the way they show up in other areas of their lives, including in the workplace. So what it tells us is that how we show up in that early stage, but really throughout the entire journey of parenting, has a lot to do with how we show up in other areas of our lives, because our brains change so much in the context of raising our children. This is so wild to me, because At the time of this recording, Michael Pollan just released his latest book on psychedelics and the ability to change your brain and the culture, especially in the Bay Area, but of going to Burning Man and having transformative, trippy experiences. And then there's this, you know, stigma against fathers. If you take more than four weeks of leave, you're a slacker at work. And what a revolution it is to say that actually, if you take a full leave, 12 weeks of leave, or you spend and devote that first year to really becoming a collaborative co-parent, you might have higher levels of brain transformation in your life than taking mushrooms. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Oh, I find this so interesting and so exciting, exciting to listen to. And my kind of closing questions that I want to touch on, even though I could talk to you for hours about all of this, I want to ask you about the logistics a little bit of your company. Mm-hmm. What have you experimented with and what have you landed on in terms of the type of products that you offer and the people that you work with? What does it look like at 10 Lab today? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's been a real journey. (laughs) Um, So we started out, our first company was Plum Organics, a baby food company, and I will forever be grateful to them because they knew that we were early stage trying to figure out our model and they went into it with us in a very open-hearted, collaborative way and let us know when we messed up and how we could do better. And they were really strong partners with us along the way. And I have great gratitude for them, in particular, Amy Hamilton, who was their interim HR director and also their head of publicity. So what we experienced early on was that we were going to be an in-depth boutique consulting firm working with the entire workplace to make it a better place for parents. And that's what we did with Plum Organics. But after that, we actually had a really hard time figuring out which companies would hire us to do that because my previous work and my co-founder, we'd both been working in the diversity and inclusion space in tech, but tech companies weren't really thinking about parents as a group that fit within the diversity and inclusion bucket because parents could include, you know, white, straight men, and they were not part of the group that needed more support around increasing their presence in the workforce. 
And so we really struggled, like who was going to finance us, who was going to pay for us to come in house. We had a lot of HR folks who wanted us to work with them, but didn't have the budgets. We really struggled and had a lot of meetings with companies who were like, we love you, but we don't have the budget or it doesn't fit within our you know, strategic goals. So we really struggled. And so we turned our research into what we called a signature workshop. And we went and delivered that at a bunch of different companies. We delivered it at Salesforce and Accenture and Yelp. Interestingly, we were talking earlier about dads and how, you know, taking parental leave is a really great thing for them. One of the places where we spoke was at Yelp, and two-thirds of the people who came were men, one of whom was not yet a dad, but a manager of dads. And he came because he wanted to understand more about the workforce that he was supporting and working with. And afterwards, he came up to me and he said, you know what? I feel like I should go out and have a kid immediately so I can be better at my job. And I thought, (laughs) I have done a great job here. (laughs) This was an awesome presentation, if that's your takeaway from it. But what I see is that increasingly, you know, dads are really interested in taking parental leave, but they don't feel as though they can without jeopardizing their careers. And there's research to show that they're right to be concerned, that the perception is that if they take parental leave, they're less committed to their careers. That perception is out there, that bias is out there, but it's our mission at TendLab to debunk that bias and to let employers and employees know that investing that time and showing up for parenthood is a win-win for everyone. It's good for the kid, it's good for the dad, and it's certainly good for the employer who's going to get a more productive, efficient, effective, emotionally intelligent employee as a result. So we've done that signature workshop. Then we've designed our Career Moms Workshop series, which brings together moms from different companies to come together and learn in real time, in a felt experiential way, the positive transformation that motherhood offers. And we go in depth into all the research. We apply it to each individual mom's life. We share it in a collective way. And that has been so powerful. I just can't say enough about that experience for myself and the women who've attended. Every single woman that's attended says she feels more empowered to succeed in her career and in her relationship with her children as a result of showing up. So that's, I'm just really proud of that. I want to ask you about this because I've read some of the reviews about these workshops and people have talked about how like raw and honest and real and transformative they've been. Is it the design of the curriculum? Like what is it about the workshop in particular? Have you curated a specific sequence or a set of questions? Like it can be hard to get people in a room to really open up. So tell me, tell me your secrets. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a great question. Thank you for asking that. Well, I think in large part, it's because I think there's two factors. There's my own personal journey, which I share in quite quite in depth through the course of the workshop series. I talk a lot about some very real and intense challenges I faced in my life to, to kick us off. So it's my own personal journey. And then also, it's the journey that we've gone on with TendLab, where we started off at Plum Organics doing the cheerleader speech about parenthood and realized that that fell flat and didn't really speak to the truth of the experience. And so when we crafted this workshop series, I worked very hard to be thoughtful about making it a raw, real, vulnerable space, because that's the only way transformation can happen, right? Like that's what parenthood offers. When it breaks you down, that's where it lets you build yourself back up. And I wanted to recreate that in this group experience for the moms. And so the first week I 
I'm very real and raw about my own journey and where I've been and how I've been able to meet those dark moments with the potential for change. I've been able to meet those portals and walk through them. You know, the first time we did this workshop series, I was really scared that A, people wouldn't share or B, if they did, they wouldn't show up after they had. (laughs) Um, And I'm so proud to say that what happens is, you know, I share in a very personal way the first week, which the first time I did it was scary for me because I'm very raw and very vulnerable. And there's a way in which that could be perceived as, you know, people could think I was weak or crazy or whatever it might be. But I found instead that what it does is it creates a container where people feel as though, that darkness that I share, those moments that I met, can be seen as moments for real transformation. So it sets the context for that. And then in the second week, we open the space up, we encourage the moms to be really honest with each other. We make it very clear that everything that's shared will be confidential. I have a 20-year meditation practice. So at each of the series, each of the sessions, we do a guided meditation that I lead everyone on that connects them to their body, connects them to not just their heads, but their hearts. In the second week, we offer what we call the award. And it's literally like a little, you know, spongy emoji that (laughs) we ask each mom to talk about one of the darkest moments they've encountered in their journey with parenthood and to share it in the most honest, raw, authentic way they can. And I was so delighted the first time we did this workshop series to find that, you know, so many of the moms that I know that I've talked to, but certainly I think it's a universal thing that motherhood breaks you down and cracks you open. And our culture asks us to deny that and ignore it. But when we meet that and we're honest with it, there's a liberation that occurs. And so that's what happens in the Career Moms Workshop Series. The second week, moms are really raw and vulnerable about their challenges that they face in that darkest moment. And I encourage them to talk about the moment that they're most ashamed about because Mm. shame lives and breathes in the dark. And when you bring it into the light, it can't consume you the way it does when you let it stay in the shadows. And so bringing it out into the light, bringing it out into a group where everybody else is sharing the same has the potential. And what I've seen most certainly does help to take that burden off each individual woman and help them to see that it's a universal part of the experience that's not specific to them. It's universal to the experience and it liberates all of us to have that moment. Amen. I've got (laughs) more poop stories than I could fit on this podcast. Um, (laughs) Literal and figurative. (laughs) Amy, where can people find your writing and find out more about 10Lab? Yeah, so we just updated our website. So a lot of the publications are on our website. If you go to press, you'll see articles I've written. You see articles that others have written about our work. And then I have a book that's coming out about this journey in which I share my own personal narrative and a really, hopefully, what will come across as honest way, because it is, with the research side by side. So it's a really sort of personal journey through neuroscience research um, and through, you know, stories of my own and others. And that book should be coming out in about a year through Nation Builder Books. And I'll have more information to share about that on our website when it happens. Our website is tendlab.com, T-E-N-D-L-A-B.com. And I've just started on Instagram. You can find me at, at Amy Tendlab if you want to follow me there. And then I'm also on LinkedIn, Amy Henderson. And 
We have a newsletter. So if you go to our website and sign up for our newsletter, you can stay up to date with our events and publications and all the work that we're doing to build a community around changing the narrative about parenthood's impact on career performance. That's how I found out about you. Somebody forwarded me your newsletter. Ah, yay, yeah, I love that. <laughs> it's so funny because there's so much um, masculine energy about like, how big is your list? And it doesn't matter if you have 100 or 300, whatever people, if it's working its way through the interwebs, it works. I know mm. people have done that with Startup Pregnant. I'm going to link all of those, including some of the articles, the one about fatherhood on Slate and the one you wrote on LinkedIn in the show notes for people. So you can just go straight to the show notes and click on the links because I'll have all the links to the social media and her website and the articles that we've talked about today. Amy, thank you so much for taking the time and joining us. Oh, Sarah, thank you so much. This has been such a joy. And, you know, I always say this and I mean it. Leave us a review on iTunes if you like our show. It takes a few seconds and it really does help us a lot. If you want more of what we're talking about, go over to startuppregnant.com and get on our email list. We send out a weekly newsletter with time-saving tips for parents and entrepreneurs. And I always include a weekly gadget or tool or something awesome that we've stumbled upon to help make your life just a little bit easier. And as always, you can reach out to us at hello at startuppregnant.com. We love hearing from you. 